Chapter Two of Mr. Scarborough's Family. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. Mr. Scarborough's Family by Anthony Trollope. Chapter Two. Florence Mountjoy. Mr. Scarborough had a niece, one Florence Mountjoy to whom it had been intended that Captain Scarborough should be married. There had been no considerations of money when the intention had been first formed, for the lady was possessed of no more than £10,000, which would have been as nothing to the prospects of the captain when the idea was first entertained. But Mr Scarborough was fond of people who belonged to him. In this way he had been much attached to his late brother-in-law, General Mountjoy, and had perceived that his niece was beautiful and graceful, and was in every way desirable, as one who might be made in part thus to belong to himself. Florence herself, when the idea of the marriage was first suggested to her by her mother, was only eighteen, and received it with awe rather than with pleasure or abhorrence. To her, her cousin Mountjoy had always been a most magnificent personage. He was only seven years her senior, but he had early in life assumed the manners, as he had also done the vices, of mature age, and loomed large in the girl's eyes as a man of undoubted wealth and fashion. At that period, three years antecedent to his father's declaration, he had no doubt been in much debt, but his debts had not been generally known, and his father had still thought that a marriage with his cousin might serve to settle him, to use the phrase which was common with himself. From that day to this, the courtship had gone on, and the squire had taught himself to believe that the two cousins were all but engaged to each other. He had so considered it, at any rate, for two years, till during the last final year he had resolved to throw the captain overboard, and even during this year there had been periods of hope, for he had not finally made up his mind till but a short time before he had put it into practice. No doubt he was fond of his niece in accordance with his own capability for fondness. He would caress her and stroke her hair, and took delight in having her near to him, and of true love for such a girl his heart was quite capable. He was a good-natured, fearless, but not a selfish man, to whom the fate in life of this poor girl was a matter of real concern, and his eldest son, who was by no means good-natured, had something of the same nature. He did love truly, after his own fashion of loving. He would have married his cousin at any moment, with or without her ten thousand pounds, for of all human beings he was the most reckless, and yet in his breast was present a feeling of honour of which his father knew nothing. When it was explained to him that his mother's fair name was to be aspersed, a woman whom he could but faintly remember, the threat did bring with it its own peculiar agony, but of this the squire neither felt or knew anything. The lady had long been dead, and could be none the better or the worse for aught that could be said of her. To the captain it was not so, and it was preferable to him to believe his father to be dishonest than his mother. He, at any rate, was in truth in love with his cousin Florence, and when the story was told to him, one of its first effects was the bearing which it would have upon her mind. It has been said that within two or three days after the communication, he had left London. He had done so in order that he might at once go down to Cheltenham and see his cousin. There Miss Mountjoy lived with her mother. The time had been when Florence Mountjoy had been proud of her cousin, and, to tell the truth of her feelings, though she had never loved him, she had almost done so. Rumours had made their way through, even to her condition of life, and she in her innocence had gradually been taught to believe that Captain Scarborough was not a man whom she could be safe in loving. 
and there had perhaps come another as to whom her feelings were different she had no doubt at first thought that she would be willing to become her cousin's wife but she had never said as much herself and now both her heart and mind were set against him captain scarborough as he went down to cheltenham turned the matter over in his mind thinking within himself how best he might carry out his project his intention was to obtain from his cousin an assurance of her love and a promise that it should not be shaken by any stories which his father might tell respecting him for this purpose he must make known to her the story his father had told him and his own absolute disbelief in it much else must be confided to her he must acknowledge in part his own debts and must explain that his father had taken this course in order to defraud the creditors all this would be very difficult but he must trust in her innocence and generosity he thought that the condition of his affairs might be so represented that the story should tend rather to win her heart towards him than to turn it away her mother had hitherto always been in his favour and he had in fact been received almost as an apollo in the house of cheltenham florence he said i must see you alone for a few minutes i know that your mother will trust you with me this was spoken immediately on his arrival and mrs mountjoy at once left the room she had been taught to believe that it was her daughter's duty to marry her cousin and though she knew that the captain had done much to embarrass the property she thought that this would be the surest way to settle him the heir of tretton park was in her estimation so great a man that very much was to be endured at his hands the meeting between the two cousins was very long and when mrs mountjoy at last returned unannounced to the room she found her daughter in tears oh florence what is the matter asked her mother the poor girl said nothing but still continued to weep while the captain stood by looking as black as a thundercloud what is it mountjoy said mrs mountjoy turning to him i have told florence some of my troubles said he and they seem to have changed her mind toward me there was something in this which was detestable to florence an unfairness a dishonesty in putting off upon his trouble that absence of love which she had at last been driven by his vows to confess she knew that it was not because of his present trouble which she understood to be terrible but which she could not in truth comprehend he had blurted it all out roughly the story as told by his father of his mother's dishonour of his own insignificance in the world of the threatened loss of the property of the heaviness of his debts and added his conviction that his father had invented it all and was in fact a thorough rascal the full story of his debts he kept back not with any predetermined falseness but because it is so difficult for a man to own that he has absolutely ruined himself by his own folly it was not wonderful that the girl should not have understood such a story as had then been told her why was he defending his mother why was he accusing his father the accusations against her uncle whom she did know were more fearful to her than those mysterious charges against her aunt whom she did not know from which her son defended her but then he had spoken passionately of his own love and she had understood that he had besought her to confess that she loved him and then she had at once become stubborn there was something in the word confess which grated against her feelings it seemed to imply a conviction on his part that she did love him she had never told him so and was now sure that it was not so when he had pressed her she could only weep but in her weeping she never for a moment yielded she never uttered a single word on which he could be enabled to build a hope then he had become blacker and still blacker fiercer and still fiercer more and more earnest in his purpose till at last he asked her whom it was that she loved as she could not love him 
he knew well whom it was that he suspected and she knew also but he had no right to demand any statement from her on that head she did not think that the man loved her nor did she know what to say or to think of her own feelings were he the other man to come to her she would only bid him go away but why she should so bid him she had hardly known but now this dark frowning captain with his big moustache and his military look and his general aspects of invincible power threatened the other man he came to tretton as my friend he said and by heaven if he stands in my way if he dare to cross between you and me he shall answer it with his life the name had not been mentioned but this had been very terrible to florence and she could only weep he went away refusing to stay to dinner but said that on the following afternoon he would again return in the street of the town he met one of his creditors who had discovered his journey to cheltenham and had followed him oh captain mountjoy what is all this that they are talking about in london what are they talking about the inheritance said the man who was a veritable jew looking up anxiously in his face the man had his acceptance for a very large sum of money with an assurance that it should be paid on his father's death for which he had given him about two thousand pounds in cash you must ask my father but is it true you must ask my father upon my word i can tell you nothing else he has concocted a tale of which i for one do not believe a word i never heard of the story till he condescended to tell it me the other day whether it be true or whether it be false you and i mr hart are in the same boat but you have had the money and you have got the bill you can't do anything by coming after me my father seems to have contrived a very clever plan by which he can rob you but he will rob me at the same time you may believe me or not as you please but that you will find to be the truth then mr hart left him but certainly did not believe a word the captain had said to him to her mother florence would only disclose her persistent intention of not marrying her cousin mrs mountjoy over whose spirit the glamour of the captain's prestige was still potent said much in his favour everybody has always intended the marriage and it would be the setting right of everything the captain no doubt owed a large sum of money but that would be paid by florence's fortune so little did the poor lady know of the captain's condition when she had been told that there had been a great quarrel between the captain and his father she declared that the marriage was set that all right but mamma captain scarborough is not to have the property at all then mrs mountjoy believing thoroughly in entails had declared that all heaven could not prevent it but that makes no difference said the daughter if i-i-i loved him i would marry him so much the more if he had nothing then mrs mountjoy declared that she could not understand it at all on the next day captain scarborough came according to his promise but nothing that he could say would induce florence to come into his presence her mother declared that she was so ill that it would be wicked to disturb her End of chapter two